Well, good morning. It is sure good to see you this morning. I pray you've had a good day. I pray you've had a great week. And I pray that you are ready to look at God's Word together. If you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I pray that those of you that were with us last week, that you picked up one of those bookmarks that we have on the back tables that show where we're going to be as we continue to walk through this series. And so I pray this morning that you have already read this text you're somewhat familiar with it that you've thought about it some if not that's okay Uh, but if not maybe consider doing that this week grab one take it with you read through the text before we get together next Sunday Uh, you I think you'll be surprised or maybe not at at how much more you're able to comprehend whenever you're already prepared for what you're going to hear in some ways this this morning But this morning, as we continue in this series looking at relationships and and what the Bible tells us about relationships, last week we saw the role of wives and husbands. We saw our role as the church, as we submit to Christ, as the bride of Christ. And this week we're going to continue in this series, and we're looking at children and parents. So specifically, what does the Bible tell us about being godly children what does the bible tell us about being godly parents and we have it summed up here in ephesians chapter 6 in just four verses let's begin by reading all of those together it says children obey your parents in the lord for this is right honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land And then he also says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so we're going to begin, as Paul does here, looking at the first three verses where he he addresses children specifically. Now, what Paul is doing in this this section of text, the end of chapter 5, these first two sections in chapter 6, is he's dealing with household relationships. We may not think of, especially the next one that we're getting to, of bond servants and masters, slaves and masters, as a household relationship. But in this day and time, it was. The servants would often be in the household. Children and parents were in the household. Husbands and wives were in the household. So these are home-type relationships. And so he's addressing what those should look like in our life. And here, whenever we see this writing to children... There are two words that for me really stand out and that when we understand these two words, I think we'll have a better grasp. No matter how old or how young you are, we'll have a better grasp of what it looks like to be a godly child. And so look at those first three verses again. It said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. All right, let me go ahead and give you the point up front and then we'll look at it together. Point one, children should obey and honor their parents. These are two words that are used here in Scripture for us. We are supposed to obey and we are supposed to honor. And so what do those two words mean? And I think once you see what they mean, it will give you a better idea of what you're supposed to do. So the first word that we see there in verse 1, children, obey. This is a word that's very similar to one that we talked about last week. If you were with us last week, 
We spent a good bit of time talking about submitting. If you were here Wednesday night, we spent even more time talking about this idea of submitting to one another. But the word for submit, whether it's the church to Christ, whether it's a wife to her husband, the idea was that you are to willingly choose to put yourself underneath somebody else's authority, leadership, guidance, right? We follow Christ. We choose. We willingly. We're not made to follow Christ. We we want to, as his children, follow Christ. And so that word for submit is very similar to the word that Paul uses here for obey. Obey is different in this way, though, where the first one of submit is that you're supposed to willingly choose to follow somebody. Obey means it's a more forceful word. It's not necessarily that you're supposed to willingly choose to do that, but it's this is what's commanded of you, is that you follow the teaching of somebody else. That you, and the word has two parts to it, and the two words are listen and place yourself under. Those are the two parts for this word obey in the original language. That you listen to what somebody says, and then you obey what they're telling you to do. Those are the two things. You listen and you follow, and when we do that, or in seeing that, we see something that is expected of us as children. So I tell you this, the first thing, if you are a child, if you have living parents of any age, specifically for those that are still in your parents' house, but of any age, you are to listen to your parents. Now, do y'all think that there's a difference in hearing something and listening to something? Can we all agree there's a difference there? Can we agree that many of us are better at hearing things than we are at listening to things? Do we agree on that? Not all of you. I understand some of you are good, good listeners. Some of you are selective listeners, right? Some of your spouses are selective listeners. I've heard you say this before. But this idea here is not hearing something. It is an attentive and intense listening. This is hanging on every word that somebody is giving to you. This is the idea of listening. Now, on its own, listening does not seem that hard, right? You say, hey, what's one of my main jobs? It's to listen. And you think, well, I can handle that, right? I can handle listening, but sometimes that simple task is harder than you would think, isn't it? Brother Shane and Brother Grant and I uh, got together earlier this week and we we're talking about this text. And, and one thing that Brother Shane pointed out that for he, for him, sometimes can be a bit of a task, I fall into this exact same boat, is, is listening to people. Because a lot of times when I'm listening to somebody else, while they're still talking, I'm already starting to formulate what I'm going to say whenever they finish. Any of you do that? Right, you're thinking about what you're going to say while they're still talking. Some of you are doing that right now. You're thinking about what you're going to do whenever I quit talking. Here's the thing. That's not active, intent listening. You are hearing, but you are not actively listening. Sometimes I'm listening to somebody talk, and I'm trying to figure out where they're going. Like, while they're talking, I'm thinking, where are they headed with this Again, if I'm thinking something else, then I'm not actively, intensely listening to them. And sometimes while somebody else is talking, if I'm being honest, I'm just saying, I wish they'd stop so I can have my turn. I'm ready to say something. 
none of these are what we're called to do here. I've done all of these things with my parents before. My parents are talking, and I'm saying, I just wish they'd be quiet so I can go do something else. They're talking, and they're telling me something, and, and I'm just I'm nodding my head, but I'm not really listening. Or I'm thinking about, what's my rebuttal? What can I say back to this? What, what, how can I get out of this? But what Scripture says is, if your parents are telling you something, listen to them. Steal your mind, stop what you are thinking about, and listen intently. And when you hear what they're saying, follow those commands. Follow those teachings. Follow that advice. That's what it means to obey your parents. To listen intently to their instruction and then to follow it. And he gives a, a very important distinction here for us in verse 1. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. There's something else that Brother Grant and Brother Shane and I talked about this week. Is, is The idea here is not that if your parents are in the Lord. right? The idea is not if your parents are Christians, then you should listen to them. That's not what Paul is saying here. What he's saying is that you... If you are in the Lord, should obey your parents. If you are a Christian, and your parents are not necessarily Christians, you should still listen to your parents. Now, obviously, if they're telling you to do something that goes against the teachings of Scripture, there's an issue there, right? We should not willingly choose to sin because our parents told us to. That's not what we see here. But there are a lot of things that even if your parents are not Christians, there are a lot of things that they're going to tell you that are not against the teachings of Scripture. And you should follow them. You should, because you are a Christian, what, what Scripture says here is if you're a Christian, it's expected of you that you will obey your parents. doesn't matter who they are. As long as what they're telling you does not go against the teachings of Scripture, you as a Christian are expected to follow them. So you say, hey, I'm a Christian. My mom and dad are not. You do not get a free pass to disrespect your parents. You do not get a free pass to disregard everything that your parents tell you to. You have lost friends. All of us have lost friends that do not obey and honor their parents well. That's for them. What this says, if you're in the Lord, that's not for you. That's not what you're called to do. That's not what's expected of you. So that's obeying. We listen to our parents intently. And then we obey and follow the things that they're telling us to do. The other word that he uses here is in verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Now this is a text that we are... Most of us that have grown up in the church are deeply familiar with because do you know where else we find this exact teaching, honor your father and mother? In the Ten Commandments, right? This is the fifth commandment. Paul here is quoting the fifth commandment. And in it, we've been told to honor our father. So what does that mean? What does it mean to honor them and how does it differ from obeying them? Well, the word to honor that's used here means to personally assign great value to someone or something you are add you are saying to me this mother to me this father are extremely valuable things i put great value on having parents now all of us do things 
all of us have things that we assign great value to. They're different for different ones of us. For some of us, we, we assign great value to our friends. We love our friends, and we listen to our friends, and we care about our friends. For some of us, it's our free time, right? We love our free time, and it is very valuable to us. And we guard it, and we protect it. And for some of us, it's our independence and being able to make our own decisions and be our own free people. And for some of us, it's our money. We love our our money and we care about it and we guard it and we protect it and we think about it because it is valuable to us and for some it's other things uh, for a lot of students I think maybe your phone is your phone valuable to you that's something that you really don't want me to take away I can't take your phone away brother Grant might take your phone away um, but these things right there they're meaningful to us they're integral to us we want these things we think about these things we the word that we could use here is we honor these things. We honor our free time. We honor our money, our independence, our friends, these things. So the idea for people, Jewish people, whenever the, uh, whenever the Ten Commandments were given, the idea was that they were supposed to honor their, their parents second only to God. That was Jewish teaching, that you honored God first and that you honored your parents second. Right after God. They were supposed to be that valuable. That honored in your sight. So you do listen to them. And obey them. That's part of it. But they were also called to always speak respectfully to their parents. And that's one that I think that many of us have been guilty of not doing. Speaking respectfully to them. And I would add speaking respectfully about them. Even whenever you're not around them the way that you talk about them, that you should speak respectfully about your parents. And they were also, and this is one that gets many of us that may not still be in the household, part of the Jewish honor code for the home is that children, in honoring their parents, were to take care of their parents when they got older. So to see after them well whenever they couldn't see after themselves anymore. That was part of the calling of Jewish people whenever the, old, whenever the Ten Commandments were given. So this is what we see here, brothers and sisters. If you're a child, if you have parents, you're supposed to love them, you're supposed to honor them, you're supposed to obey them, you're supposed to listen to them, you're supposed to speak respectfully to them and about them, you're supposed to think highly of them, you are supposed to serve them and care for them whenever they need it. These are all things that you're called to do. So students here might ask, is Brother Zach telling me that I should treat my parents like I treat my phone? Is that the takeaway? I would say this, that nobody should ever treat their phone better than they treat their parents. And I'd say that with all honesty. That, that you shouldn't have any possessions in your life, no matter what it is, car, house. You shouldn't have any possessions in your life that you honor or treat better than you treat your parents. The last thing that he says for children here is verse 3. He gives us the promises that if we honor our parents, he says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Again, that is a direct quote from the Ten Commandments. And we're going to talk in just a little bit about those specific promises more. But point two is this. When children honor their parents, good things happen. And that's the expectation, right? That's what we see there. Honor your father and mother. The, the parentheses is Paul's writing. 
But if he's, if he's just quoting the Ten Commandments, it says, Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so when we follow the teaching and instruction of people that are wiser than we are, we should expect good things to happen. Some of you would argue, my parents are not wiser than I am. I understand that some of you would make that argument, but I would at least say this, they are more experienced than you are. And as you gain life experience, you will recognize that. I recognize that more and more and more. Many of us become very good at honoring our parents later in life. Students, I pray that you'll become good at it now, that you will not wait until you're a parent to honor your parents well, that you will seek to honor them and obey them well now. And for those of us that are at that stage that our parents need us to care for them, I pray that we do that well, that we honor them in the best way that we can where we are in life. All right, so then there's the specific teaching to parents. It's just one verse here, verse 4, if you'll look at that with me. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So here, the first thing that stood out to me as I was preparing for this text this week is that Paul says fathers. He doesn't mention the mothers here, right? So mothers, you think, maybe we should do this text on Mother's Day. I get the day off. He's not talking to me. I don't believe that that's the case. So again, I told you at the outset this morning that this was, these were household relationships in this day and time. And in this day and time, in the household, there was one authority figure. And the authority figure was the father. We see that, that wives are called to submit to the father and that here the father is also seen as the disciplinarian. He was also the main instructor of his children. So the father is the one that is teaching the children, that is doing the most of the raising and rearing of the children and also the one that's disciplining them. So here the father is specifically addressed, but I believe it's fitting this way, that any parents that take part in the teaching and raising and rearing and disciplining of their children, that this is written for you. So if that's only the father, if that's only the mother, if you're a single father or a single mother, that this is instruction for all of us. And then Paul does something that I'm thankful Scripture does lots and lots of times. Jesus does this, Paul does this, John does this. They give us this teaching where they say, here's what you should not do, and here's what you should do. And that's helpful for me. So let's look at the negative part first. Do not do this. Do not provoke your children to anger. What does that mean? Because I'll be honest with you. Here's the picture that comes to my mind. I don't know why this is the picture that comes to my mind. But when I hear about provoking something to anger, I imagine being at the zoo. <laughs> this is just, and there's a tiger. And you're like poking through the fence and poking him with some kind of stick just trying to make him mad, just doing your best to make this animal angry. That's what I think of when I hear provoking to anger. So is what Paul is saying is don't, don't pride your children. Don't specifically try hard to make them mad. Well, I do think that's part of it, but I don't think that's all of it. I read a really good quote this week by a commentator named Andrew Lincoln, and I want to give this to you. And I really want you to think about this for a moment. I think we have this. Do we have this in the computer? All right. Um, you can look at this with me. I think most of you are probably going to resonate with one or two of these areas. But these are things that he says uh, can reasonably be considered 
as provoking children to anger in Paul's writing here. Excessively severe discipline, unreasonably harsh demands, abuse of authority, arbitrariness, unfairness, constant nagging and condemnation, subjecting a child to humiliation, and all forms of gross insensitivity to a child's needs and sensibilities. These are things, Miss Lee, if you would just leave that up there for a minute. These are things that, that he says in Paul's writing in this time and in our time that could be considered as provoking your child to anger. So it's not just doing something specifically to make them mad. But whenever we are unreasonably harsh in our demands for our children, so we are expecting things of our 3-year-old, 7-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old that, that children of that age should not be expected to do. And I'm unreasonably harsh about that, right? You, I, I don't know why you can't do this. I can do it. Why can't you do it? That that can be provoking to our children. That whenever our discipline, we are called to discipline. We're absolutely called to discipline our children. But whenever it's excessively severe, whenever it borders on the edge of abuse, it is not okay. It's provoking to anger. And I'm not going to go through every one of these and that. But, you know, like I say, for most of you, there's probably one of these that whenever you see it, you say, I don't, I, I, actually, I do that. I am unreasonably harsh. You know what, sometimes I use sarcasm and trying to teach my children things, and that is humiliating to them. I don't like it when somebody does that to me. Why do I do that to my children? Sometimes I, I don't recognize. I, I just I look at whatever they're dealing with, and I, sh I just kind of shove it to the side like it's not important because they're just a kid. And you're, what you're doing is being grossly insensitive to their sensibilities, to their personhood. What they're going through may not be a big deal if they were adult, but what they're going through is important to them. And whenever we say, I don't care about that, I think that's provoking them in some ways to anger. And, and so Scripture says, moms, dads, don't do that. Don't do these things. Don't be this type of person. Yes, you are the authority figure. Yes, you can do these things. And they can't do anything about it because they're a kid. But a quote I've given you before that's always resonated with me since I heard it the first time is just because you're right does not give you the right to be a jerk. Right? Just because they need to be disciplined doesn't mean that I need to do it excessively. Just because they need to be corrected doesn't mean that I can do it in a humiliating way just because I can. Because the scripture says don't. I believe fully that we can correct our children, that we can discipline our children, that we can raise and rear our children without being mean, without being bitter, without being abusive, without ignoring their personhood and their personalities, that we can raise them and teach them without shaming them and without belittling them. I believe that we can do that. I believe we have a perfect example of that in the way that God raises us and sanctifies us and, and brings us to the point of maturity. God's never any of those things to us. He's never abusive. He's never humiliating to us. He never uses shame as a way of, of trying to get us to do something that he wants us to do. But he loves us and he cares for us. and He brings us about in a gracious and merciful way. And he tells us as parents to do the same thing. And so I also believe that when we do this well, when we don't provoke our children, 
that it makes it much easier. Just like we saw with husbands and wives, right? When the husband loves the wife sacrificially, it's easier for the wife to submit. And when the wife submits, it's easier for the husband to love sacrificially. I believe that when we do not raise our kids in a provoking way, it's easier for them to honor us. And when they honor us, it's easy for us to not have this sort of provoking, mean, harsh attitude with them. But then he does change his attention. He says, do not provoke your children anger, but he also tells us what to do. So what should I do? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, again, the literary structure here is very helpful for us. This word that is used for bring them up is only used, best I can tell, one other time in all the New Testament. And that's in Ephesians five twenty nine that we looked at last week. We just saw this. In that text, it said this. It said, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. That term for but nourishes is the exact same word that Paul uses right here. So it's nourish your children, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the last point this morning is this. Point three, parents should lovingly and caringly raise children to maturity. Now, caringly is not a word. I recognize that, but I'm giving it to you this morning as a word that I think is very fitting here. So just if you felt the need to correct me, I've already been corrected. Um, right here on my iPad, it tells me this is not a word. But parents should lovingly raise children to maturity. They should caringly raise children to maturity. You should feed and train and teach your children, not in a harsh way, but tempered with love. Even our discipline of our children should be tempered with mercy and love. We should discipline them in the hope that it will bring them to the right place, not discipline them just because we enjoy it. Right? We should raise our children in a way that's similar to how a husband is called to love his wife. We should raise our children, because that text, verse 29, using the same word, said, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So I think you can fittingly say that we should raise our children and teach our children very similar to the way that Christ loves the church. That we should have a lot of those same attributes and characteristics in the way that we raise our children. God is the perfect heavenly father. And we should follow his example as fathers, as mothers, as ones that are raising children. And then the very last thing I'll give you that ties all these things together, makes a very symbiotic relationship here. I want you to, to look at this idea, and I want to tie it together with the idea of the promise made to children. It says, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we raise them in a loving way, in a caring way, in a nourishing way, but not to do what I think is best. Not to teach them whatever I think I should teach them. Not to teach them uh, the American way. Not to teach them the Mississippi way. Not to teach them whatever it is. I am to teach them the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This was very clear in a Jewish household. 
Jewish people knew that part of their calling was to make sure that their children understood God's word. You can go read Deuteronomy 6, which comes right after the second giving of the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are given, where we find the promises in verse 2 and 3 here. And then right after that, parents are told that they're supposed to talk about the law with their children all the time, right? It says, as you go on the way, bind it as a frontlet on your forehead, put it on the gates of your household. When you're sitting, when you're walking, when you're eating, talk to your children about God's Word. And here, Paul takes that teaching and brings it into Christian households. Christian parents, it's your job. And if you're a Christian parent here and you kind of dozed off a little bit, I know we're almost at the end, but I want you to hear this. It's your job to teach your children God's Word. It is, not, it is not primarily my job. It is not primarily Brother Grant's or Brother Lauren's job. It's not primarily the GA leaders or the RA leaders or the Sunday school teachers. We are all here to help disciple your children. We are all here, and here's the word that I use, to supplement the teaching that they receive at home. But the number one discipler of Chip Kilpatrick, and the number one discipler, I won't go through the whole list, we'll be here for a while. But the number one discipler of every one of my kids is to be Zach Kilpatrick and Amanda Kilpatrick. I'm not trusting that my children will learn the Bible because you teach them. I pray, and I know that they'll learn many things about the Bible because you'll help teach them here at Mount Zion. But if you didn't, I'm going to see to it to the best of my ability that my children know God's Word. And I pray that that's your heart as well. Did you say, I'm going to teach my children God's Word. We're going to talk about it when we sit around the dinner table and when we're riding to school and whenever we're going to the ball field and whenever we're walking around in the yard and when we're playing games, we're going to talk about God's Word because you have to understand this. Jesus loved your children enough that He left heaven and came and died for your children. For your son and for your daughter, he died so that they could be saved from their sins. And they need to hear that. They need to hear that he loves them that much. They need to hear it here and in their classes. And they need to hear it at your house. But they also need to see it. They need to see. I don't believe that you can say that you are completely nourishing and raising your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord just because you say it, I believe that you have to live it. I believe that we have to talk the talk and walk the walk. That your kids need to see you living a life of faith. That this is what it should look like. That when your kids look at your life and they see how much you talk about Jesus and how much you think about Jesus and how much your life is set on worshiping Jesus, that they say that Jesus is extremely valuable. That this gospel is true. It is really life-changing. God's love is really deep, and it is really real. And I pray that, that as you talk about it and as you live it, that you'll be doing what you're called to here, that you'll be raising, nourishing, rearing your children in both the discipline and the instruction of the Word. And it's going to take a long time. It's a slow process. It's a methodical process, but it is a worthwhile process, and it's one that you have been given and here's how everything fits together. If you as a parent are teaching God's word, 
right? This is my primary thing that I'm teaching. Not what I want my children to be, but I'm teaching them to be who God wants them to be. So I'm teaching God's Word, and my children are obeying what I'm teaching them to do, right? We've already seen we're called to do that. So I'm teaching God's Word, and they're obeying what I'm teaching. So now in the end, what are they really obeying? They're obeying God's Word, right? Because I'm telling them what God's Word says, and they're following what I'm saying. And so now, all of a sudden, my children are being obedient and honoring to the teachings of Scripture. And so you know what they should expect? They should expect abundant life. They should expect that it will go well with you. That's the promise of Deuteronomy. That's the promise of Exodus. That's the promise of this text. That if they follow my teaching, that it will go well with them. How is that? Because when I teach them God's word and they follow God's word, it leads to abundant life. But not only abundant life, but eternal life. So that it will, it, that it will go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And when that was given in the Old Testament, it was talking about the promised land. And brothers and sisters, most of us are not going to live in Israel. But I pray that one day we're going to live in heaven. Right? That's the real promised land. And so if my children follow what I'm teaching them when I teach them God's word, they're going to have more abundant life while they're alive here, and they're going to come to know Jesus. I trust that. And that that's going to lead to eternal life whenever they leave here. So this morning we're going to have a time of response. And I just I make this simple based on this text. If you're a parent, I want you to ask yourself this morning, how am I parenting? Am I harsh? Am I abusive? Or is my parent, if somebody asked my kids, would they say that I'm loving and that I'm gracious, right? That I, I'm firm on the things that they need to know, but I teach them in a loving way. That I care for them and that it's obvious. Am I teaching my children God's words? It's a question that we all have to ask and we should ask ourselves often. Because if they're being prayed with and taught God's word more by their Sunday school teacher that they see once a week than they are by you, then, brothers and sisters, we're not doing our job. We have to teach our children God's Word. And if you're here and you're a child, I ask you this morning, are you following the teaching of Scripture? God has called you to obey your parents, to listen intently, and to follow their commands. Are you doing that? Are you honoring your parents? No matter what age you are in life, are you showing honor and assigning great value to your parents? Because we're called to do it. If you're not doing these things, brothers and sisters, I pray that you would. That you would commit yourself to it today. That you would ask the Lord to help you. And I think there's one other group here. Maybe you're here today and you've never known a father that shows this type of love. You've never seen a father that is gracious and merciful. That is loving and patient. And if that's you, then let me first say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've never had that here on earth. But brothers and sisters, if you've never experienced that, then I trust that you've never experienced Jesus. And I invite you this morning to come and to let me introduce you to him. The one that will never leave you, who will teach you what is right, but he'll do it in a loving and caring and compassionate way. One that loves you enough that he gave his life and that he died in your place. If you've never met that Jesus, then let me introduce you to him this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand. Brother Shane's going to come and we're going to have an, a hymn of invitation. And as we do, think about these things. And if you need to pray where you are, just pray. Use this time of response to pray. If you need to come and would like somebody to pray with you, I would love to pray with you. If you have questions, let me try and answer those questions. 
But if the Lord's calling you specifically to do something that you haven't been, I pray that during this time that you would commit yourself to it and that you would ask him to help you with it. You do whatever the Lord's leading you to as our praise team leads us in a hymn of response.